0: If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Zephaniah, not a name we hear all the time and not a household name, but in the ancient world, um, Zephaniah was a minor prophet with a mighty message. Uh, If you would, turn with me to Zephaniah 3. If you are, are having a hard time finding Zephaniah, if you go to Matthew, the New Testament, and turn back four books. He's right there tucked away, um, right before Zechariah, uh, Haggai, and Malachi. Uh, so Zephaniah, um, again, one of the minor prophets during the day of um, ancient Judah's, um, uh, right before the exile period, right before they were taken away to Babylon. Um, he was one of the very last prophets that God sent to, to Israel and to Judah, um, coming after Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the likes. Uh, but again, I think Zephaniah has a really awesome message for us um, here between Christmas and new years i believe his word for us is one that will be good for us to think about and uh and put our hearts uh knit our hearts to today so zephaniah 3 uh, down in verse number 14 we'll hear from God's word sing o daughter of zion shout o israel be glad and rejoice with all your heart o daughter of jerusalem the lord has taken away your judgments he has cast out your enemy The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord, your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. You know, 52 Sundays, that's how many times we've gathered together here in 2021. We've been blessed to uh, have this opportunity to gather together, have our hearts filled with songs that exalt Jesus, have our Bibles in hand that, with a word that enlightens us about Jesus, and maybe it's just me, but it never gets old. It never gets old, 52 Sundays in a row, and, and it's not gotten old yet, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 52 More, but but you know, if it ever does, if it ever does get stale or stagnant, or if it ever does just get routine, it's not because the Christian hope or the truth of God's word has lost its luster, but it's because we and, and we're prone to do this. But we have lost our sensitivity or our awareness. To what is revealed. You know, many of you have been here week after week against the pull and draw of this world, against the wear and tear of this world, because you still believe in the benefit and the gain that can be found assembling with the people of God and jointly seeking His face, praising His name, and listening for His voice. You know, perhaps this day after Christmas, you know, it it may seem like an afterthought after a busy month and much like what's in your refrigerator this week after Christmas might feel like a leftover Um, as in you know all the hype and all the splendor is kind of faded away and we're waiting for a new year and even after that comes January can be kind of dull but you know this Sunday especially as the year has these last few days left in it maybe it seems like an afterthought and maybe these last few days of the year feel just like leftovers but in spite of how it may feel and in spite of how it may seem, truth be told, this may be the most important gathering of the whole year. This Sunday and what we do on this Sunday and what we do the next couple of days, this may be the most important time of devotion for you as a believer so far. And I think as we assemble today and as we come together in worship, I think it speaks volume to your response, to our response, to the Christmas message, to our dedication to take hold of and internalize the Christmas gift. And I think our coming together and the churches gathered together today is really speaks of our response and our dedication to truly take hold of and internalize the gift that we just unwrapped. You know, as I began preparing for and praying for one last message for 2021 a a few weeks ago, I I found my way to this passage of Scripture, and and after studying this passage, I I just knew that this had to be the one that we anchored our hearts around and our time together in as we put a close on 2021, especially having just celebrated the greatest gift, and and especially after we read The passage and we think about this text there there was one thought that came to my mind that I could not get off of my mind as I tried to kind of summarize what these verses spoke to me and what I think they speak to us the the thought that kept coming to my mind was this idea of savoring the Savior this idea of soaking in the moment this idea of getting everything we can out of what has been put in front of us who has been put in front of us You know, do you ever have those moments, those days, those seasons where you just want to soak in everything that you can because something tells you it just won't get better than that? maybe it was a time in your life, a certain place that you were at, a certain environment and circumstances that were all going in the right way. Maybe it was when you were just married and it was just you and your spouse and you thought, wow, it'll never be this good you know, in the future. Or maybe when your kids were just born and, and you knew that one day they'd be all grown up and you just wanted to savor the moment. Uh, and maybe as you gather with your family this week, you know, where all you're at in your life, you know, with kids and grandkids and all your families coming together, the joy it brings you, you just kind of want to Pause and kinda, you know, kinda soak all of it up that you can because you know it's not always gonna be that way. And 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 I'm sure there are other examples, moments where you just sit back and you think, This is everything I've ever dreamed of. And something inside of you says, I've gotta make the most of this. Because something and it's not because we're being pessimistic, it's just because we're being realistic, right? We all know it's just not gonna last forever. So you wanna make sure you enjoy. The moment, you know, and and that's the thing about life as we end another year. It's fleeting, isn't it? It's brief. As great as those memories are when we make them for not long after, um, the moment ends and the moment passes. And, you know, the Bible puts it, James, the brother of Jesus, puts it better than anyone else. James says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and it vanishes away. What is our life but a mist that appears for the morning and is gone before lunch? But here's a secret I wanna share with you today as you've come to worship the living God as you put a wrap on celebrating God with us, and now you worship him and reflect on 2021 as you commit your life to 2022. Maybe you're just a casual believer. Maybe you would describe yourself as somebody who, you know, you believe, but you're not really as dedicated as other people are, whether that's good or bad, just being honest. Maybe you're a seeker, you're curious, but you're not really where some other some other person might be. And and, and maybe you just, if you're being honest, and why shouldn't we be? Maybe you just come to church every every sunday because it's kind of an insurance policy you know you you know that life's got a long you know got a lot of life ahead of you you hope you do but you're just here because it would be good to have some insurance in case something happens uh, regardless of why you're here today regardless of why you're listening today you're in the presence of the one and only almighty infinite god who 2000 years ago he erased Any and all separation between heaven and earth. And we know it was a great, vast separation between heaven and earth. But 2,000 years ago, the sky ripped back, right? And angels came out from the other side and said the separation is over. There is no more separation. There is no more distance. God is with you and he will never leave you. That's what Christmas is, right? Bringing heaven's exclusive glory and wrapping it in the common flesh of earth. See, see, you're participating in a movement this morning that has been officially going strong for 2,000 years. And the underpinnings of that movement are another 2,000 years older and stronger. So don't miss the forest for the trees. The local church is just one of hundreds of thousands bodies that belong to the one who came to earth, who grew up and was raised up from the earth, who died on a Roman cross, who was buried in a borrowed tomb, and who came back to life and victory. And of course, he ascended to heaven after that. He reserved, he, he ascended to a throne reserved for the one and only, the one who could redeem fallen creation, restore the fellowship between creator and creature. Jesus Christ, the one and only God, the essence of the universe, the word of God made flesh, born of a woman, crucified as a lamb, risen as a lion, ruling as a king. So whether you follow him intently, whether you've been trusting him devoutly for decades, you sit in the assembly of the living church of God. You are surrounded by the Holy Spirit of God, and you are participating in the building up of the kingdom of God. Not just what God is doing at Risen Church, or in the South Fork Association of Churches, or in all the other group of churches that are in this area, but you are a part of a worldwide movement that officially started on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago when the angels appeared in the heavens, not singing little soft carols, but proclaiming in boldness and brightness as heralds of the most high God. Mild he lays in his glory by, born that man no more would die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us a second birth. That's what you're a part of. That's the gift we just unwrapped. Matthew and Luke puts it so fittingly for us that she would bear a son, and we would call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, that He has brought salvation. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what has been given to us? Who has come for us? God in flesh. But what is his title? What did he come to do? Save us. He is our Savior. You know, we needed to be saved from our sin because we were dead and condemned in our sin apart from him. We weren't just mistakers. We weren't just mess uppers we were dead in our sin without his appearing without his visitation there would be no peace there'd be no favor from god to us but make no mistake and have no fear because he came and because he died we don't have to worry or wonder or doubt or dread ever again sin has been forgiven death has been defeated reconciliation has been accomplished salvation is obtainable these no longer hang in the balances these are not up to what happens on any given holy day these are settled for us and available to us so here's the good news, and, and of course all of this is good news, but here's what is so good about that good news. Unlike all the good of the world that we experience in Baskin, knowing all along that it's going to fade away, unlike all the things that we soak up and all the things that we enjoy, knowing that they're fleeting even as we enjoy them, the good news of Jesus Christ all of its promises, all of its provisions, they are neither fleeting nor fading. They are forever. The good news of Jesus is forever. It is forever yours, and we, you are forever His. You know, we say and we sing about forever so often at church and so many of our songs. Let me just put into context and frame what that really means for you today. Many of us here, you might be a little bummed that another year is coming to an end. Maybe you're another year older and you have another reminder that no matter how much you work to perfect this life, that you know, it won't last forever. So I hope that we can raise your spirits today around this truth. Yeah, life is short. Even the best experiences, the greatest of moments and circumstances that are overflowing with abundance of greatness, all of those things at their best are temporary and fleeting. We know that, and being reminded of that might not be fun, but it's, obviously it's true. But, 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 straight from the throne of heaven, from the epicenter of the universe, from the creator of all things, salvation has come, and it's not going anywhere hello it's not going anywhere yes this year is over and maybe you accomplished your goals maybe you didn't maybe you're pleased with where you're at maybe you're not but no matter what might be fading away and fleeting in this moment there is one thing that is forever we may face every onslaught and every attack from hell this next year We could be very well surrounded by every enemy and face every battle we could ever face in 2022. But nothing, 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 nothing will ever undo what Jesus set in motion on Christmas Day. So as we wrap up this year, maybe you're exhausted, maybe you're wearied, maybe you're worried, maybe you're wondering what might come next. I think it's good for our souls. I think it would be good for us to finish this lap around the sun with a focus on the gift of God's Son one more time. I don't have some great agenda to impart some new wild theological idea to you today. I, we're not diving into some practical series about how to make your life better and, in a particular area. I, I just think it would be good and bring joy and peace and rest for our souls if we would spend a little time savoring our Savior today. And it would be good for your souls if you did that tomorrow and the next day, really every day. But this year, as this year closes, spend a little time this week savoring who He is. Be reminded and strengthened and encouraged by His unchanging truth. Christmas, its energy is still fresh, but the possibility of a new year is just setting in. So may we spend today and the next few days savoring jesus christ soaking up his goodness seeking his favor that he has made available to us on all of us favor rest i think it would be good for us to savor and to soak up and to seek him out today because he is our only guarantee now let me clarify this only is not a pejorative not, that's not a negative adverb. It's, it's revelatory and refreshing and so important. I mean, come on. Do you need anybody else? Do you need anyone else? I mean, listen, if Jesus is just something over here to the side that you check on every once in a while to make you cheer up when things are bad, hey, it's better than that. He's our foundation. Think about how you really, 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 how, how you answer this question Because it might well reveal how you really feel about Jesus and who you really think Jesus is and what kind of faith you really have in him or you don't have in him. All of us could find ourselves disowned and disenfranchised for some outrageous, unjust reason before the day is done. And guess what? Jesus will still be our inheritance, Come on, everything we got for Christmas, everything we worked for all year long, everything we earned and deserved, not just this year, but our entire lives could all be snapped away and and, and I don't know, thieves could take it, the feds could take it, wouldn't surprise me, but we could wake up tomorrow and every natural disaster could lay waste to us, every sickness and every disease could put us in bed, but guess what? I don't know that happens, but guess what if it happens? Jesus will still be our inheritance and our eternal guarantee. Listen, the first chapter of Job could happen to all of us before the day is done. All the stuff that happened to him, the whirlwind and the chaos and all the conflict, it could all happen, and before we go to bed, we could be without anything and everything, but Jesus will still be your inheritance, and he will still be your guarantee. He will still be enough. I hope it doesn't happen. And by God's grace, I pray it won't. But if it did, Jesus is enough. You can't say that about anybody and anything else. Listen, if everything gets taken from you but me, God help you, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just a person, right? Even people that love me and, you know, spend all the time with me. If, if I, you're left with just me, I mean, good grief. And I know you love your spouse, your kids, your family, and your home, and all that stuff, but if you were to, ta- everything was taken from you, but that stuff, we would be pitiful and miserable. Your dearest loved ones, your greatest treasure, your most secure plans, Jesus is sweeter and He is more savory because in Him we have eternal life. You have a relationship with God, almighty creator of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, the Milky Way galaxy and everything beyond it. You have life in him, full, endless, eternal life. So if you lose everything else but you still have him, that's enough. On the flip side, you can live a life of rich and material prosperity You can have a fancy free life doing everything you want to do and doing it how you want to do it. All of that, all of that will be forgotten and fade away by the time you step into glory. You won't think about it. You won't talk about it. You won't remember it. And it will not be what gets you there. The only thing of eternal value is Jesus, so why not seek and savor him all the more compared to everything else that we often turn to? I mean, listen, there are a lot of things that could worry us today, and there's a lot of things that we worship in place of God if we're being honest. But why not seek and savor him more? Shouldn't worrying over and worshiping anything else be our greatest regret? In 2021, you may maybe you have some regrets. I hope you don't. But if you do, that's human, right? That's what we do. We we feel bad about things we should not have done, or maybe we did that we shouldn't have done, right? But I hope really our only regret should be: Did we worry over things, or did we worship things that Jesus said? Why why are you doing that? You've got me. We should savor Him more often. We should soak up and seek His fullness more often. I, I know. I know you probably got some gifts this past week, the last couple of days, that probably are still sitting in the box in the bag and probably will still be sitting in that box in that bag in a couple of weeks, right? I know you don't mean this personally toward the person that gave it to you, but you didn't really ask for it, you didn't really need it, but you kind of have it and you can't do away with it until they forget that they gave it to you. You probably got some stuff that you don't want to take back because where did they even find it? You don't even know if you have a use for it, and you probably have some stuff from last Christmas and three Christmases ago that are tucked away in a closet that you don't really know what to do with. The gift was utterly useless and it served no purpose for you, <laughs> but they meant well. But if I can get anything across today, don't treat Jesus like one of those gifts. He is not, don't don't put the knowledge and the seed that he's planted you in a corner. What he wants to do in you, don't put that off because it's not something that's insignificant. It's something that could change your life and something that can make an eternal difference in your life. So so here's what I want to leave everybody with as we wrap up this year and as as we wrap up this message that I think puts an even greater, brighter light on all this stuff. The prophet Zephaniah gives us a message that I think wakes up our souls, and I think it really shines down on us a light that maybe we were not prepared for. Sometimes, have you ever heard something that was so good that you weren't even ready to hear it, and you had to hear it a couple times to kind of realize it was actually true? I think what God says to us in this text is one of those times. Uh, His message is not standard. It's not the standard, God has done this, so you should do this in return. It's actually the reverse of that. His message is to an Israel that has let God down in every way. They've fallen short in more ways than not. It was during the reign of one of the worst kings, Manasseh, who was so rotten and so vile, he, God officially said, I'm putting y'all on time out because you have went across the line. Zephaniah's message to the people was initially one of wrath and distress and anguish and ruin. He critiqued the people for being fickle and unjust, but right at the end of his oracle, At the end of his circuit, at the end of his message, it changes. Not because Judah did something different. They did not repent. Not because the people had begun looking for God or turning toward God. They didn't do that. After indicting the people and speaking truth over the people unexpectedly and unexplainedly, the message changes directions and the tone changes completely. But if you're tracking with how God has worked, always, it makes some sense. Zephaniah says, here's all that the people haven't done from God. Here's what you haven't gotten right. And yet, here's what God is going to do for you. Even though we have not been for God, God has always been and will always be for us. That's Stephanie's message. The first two and a half half chapters, they are scathing. I mean, it is is rough stuff. It is, you've sinned, your family has sinned, the nation has sinned, and there's no hope for y'all. But then at the end, it changes on a dime. And this might be a brand new category for you. Maybe you've been taught by religion to think that God works on a conditional basis and looks through a reciprocal lens, and if you do this, he'll do that, and if you don't do this, he won't do that. But Zephaniah reveals to his generation reminds our generation that maybe we've underestimated the heart of our God. The heart of a loving, kind, merciful, and gracious God who would be right to judge us in our sin and leave us in our sufferings. Yet over and over again, in spite of our sin, against our sin, he is inclined to save us and desires more than anything to delight in us. Hear with me again the words of Zephaniah the prophet. Verse 15, he says, The Lord has taken away your judgments. He's cast out your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. Back in verse 14, it says, Be glad, rejoice with your whole heart. These verses invite us to sink our hearts with the truth that's revealed. The phrase rejoice with is, is, a, is a word, exalt with all your heart. It, 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 it's the result of allowing something so good, so empowering, so refreshing to take hold of your souls that it produces an overflow and an outpouring of joy. We only get that if we savor and soak up and seek out all that God has to say to us through the gospel, all that he's given us through Jesus. The next few verses highlight some rich blessings that we have we read verse 15 the lord is in your midst you shall see disaster no more verse 16 in that day it shall be said to jerusalem do not fear let not your hands be weak but be strengthened by this good news the promise to us that despite how we may feel and even if we don't deserve it god chooses to be with us He chooses to make himself available and accessible in our midst. And and Zephaniah, I think the point that he's trying to make, and I think what he wants us to get across here, is God is not obligated to do this. God is not obligated to do anything that he does not want to do. But that's the thing that we often overlook, that we fail to register with. The Old Testament religion emphasizes how God isn't available or how he's not accessible to most people How because things have worked against us and we've worked against him. But Zephaniah puts on blast that a new day is coming, a new age is dawning. Yes, sin and unrighteousness and evil must be handled and done away with, but God has made the decision that he was not going to wait for us to get it right. He was not going to wait for us to overcome it ourselves. He was going to handle it himself and even if we struggle through it all have no fear zephaniah says god would be near god will be here with us in verse 17 if it's not one of those verses that you memorize john 3 16 romans 8 28 zephaniah 3 17 should be on that list and i hope that you can do that as you study this text in the weeks to come the lord your god is in your midst the mighty one will save he will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you with his love he will rejoice over you with singing this is such a foundational statement that we should read and read and read until we have no question about its truth let me ask you, do you live every day with confidence that God is in your midst, that he chooses to be? He's not there begrudgingly. He's not there because it's one of those family things where you kind of have to go, and oh, I guess I gotta see them. He's not there hoping that he gets to leave soon. I mean, have you been there? Maybe you were there this past couple days, and you know, no offense, right, we've all been there. God never says, I wish I could leave. He chooses to be in the midst of his people. Do you live each day in confidence that God is with you? You know, it, that, that's both humbling and uplifting. It's both encouraging, but it's also enlightening. Just think about it. What if we lived every day with the attitude, with the perspective? What would someone in my shoes do with absolute confidence that God is with me? And he never leaves. He never leaves. Even when. We sometimes dismiss him and say, okay, God, can you go away for a little while? I got some stuff I got to do, and I don't really think you're going to be happy with it, but I got to do it because, hey, it's just me. But come back tomorrow. I need your help. Guess what? Even when we do that, and we don't do that, you know, literally, but we kind of do that because if you sin, you're surely not welcoming God into your presence, right? But guess what? He is always in your midst. He's there when you don't feel him. He's there when you don't want him. What would someone in your shoes do that never wavered knowing that God is with you? How would you handle success if you know that always and forever God is with you? He gave it to you. What are you going to do with it? How would you handle suffering if you know God allowed it and God isn't going to leave you in it? How would you handle sorrow if you know that God allowed it and God's going to do something with it? How would you handle opportunities? How would you handle pressure? No matter what you are facing, God is with you. God is with me. Now what should I do? Or so what that that happened? God is with me. I am in his midst. I mean, first off, it's incredibly encouraging, relieving, and heartwarming, but also it's humbling and it holds us accountable. To live each day, handle each day, with ma- and making decisions and responding to life in that place. The next line in verse 17 is one of the greatest lines of all inspired scripture. Carrying the inspiration to us all these years later. Bringing to the reader, wherever she or he is, bringing the Holy Spirit to us as we read and receive it. The mighty one will save so Zephaniah says, you want to know who our God is? He is a mighty one who will save. He or another way to say it, our God is mighty to save. You know what this expresses about God? God's intentions, God's choice, God's honed skill in which he employs the infinite and matchless power, the power that molded the universe, which holds it together. God chooses to leverage it towards us for this one purpose, to save us this verse isn't if this verse isn't enough the gospels repeat this again and again and again we heard it in the christmas verses all week long luke chapter 9 verse 55 jesus says the son of man came not to destroy people's lives but to save them jesus said in luke 19 today salvation has come to this house for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost and maybe the greatest way that this is expressed John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I think the message is pretty clear, isn't it? If you want to know why every message comes back to this place, the idea that Jesus came to save our lives from eternal bankruptcy. He came to save us from wasting our lives on temporary fleeting things. He came to direct us uh, relationally, morally, financially in every area. Because that's what it means to be saved. The Greek word means to be made whole. 1 Thessalonians, Paul breaks it down like this. May the God of peace sanctify you completely or make you whole that you may be, that your whole spirit and soul and body might be blameless. The idea here is that salvation is not just something that we put in a filing cabinet and check on it later when we need it. It's something that God's presence comes into our life and changes everything about us for the better for the eternal good of us. All this is why every message we hear from God should always lead us to. You know the church has a tendency to wander from this. We have a propensity to be attracted to when God's word is taken and used to cast judgment on a particular group compared to us. We use the Bible, we turn it into a political machine, but sometimes we slice and dice it and we only bring up certain subjects. But God's heart as it's revealed in his word is about saving and restoring and making us whole. We will not be a student of God's word without it having a dynamic impact on our whole being and our whole worlds. A couple things to highlight before we close it says God is mighty to save. The emphasis is on the two, as in he especially employs his might to this purpose. We don't have any issues thinking God is a strong being, right? We, of course God is strong. But maybe you don't realize that God uses his might to work salvation. He could use his strength to conquer or judge, but Christ reveals that he uses his strength to save us. That is an inclination towards us. No matter what you're facing today, there's a mighty God in your midst. We may suspect him to be like those of the powers of the world who seek their own gain. However, the Lord is different. May we take refuge in him and rejoice in him because he is mighty to save. He could have used his power to conquer or judge, but he didn't. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. That's what our mighty God did with his mighty power. He is mighty to save. Last thing, verse 17 gives us three things about God that I think we should be especially uplifted by today. But they shouldn't surprise us in light of what we've talked about. Zephaniah says, He rejoices over us with gladness. You know what that means? God is thankful for you. He's thankful for you. He doesn't see you as a burden. He chose you and is glad to know you. He quiets us with His love. That means his love is comforting and fulfilling in ways that no other approval or accomplishment will ever be. The idea there is nothing will ever satisfy your soul but the love of God. You think, all oh, that's going to make me feel better tomorrow. You're not feeling any better because it didn't last. God quiets you, Does not, not that he hushes you, but that he gives you peace with his love. And that, this last one, it, man, this is so good. He exalts, the, the literal Hebrew is, he is joy over you. He is the embodiment of joy over you. Can you imagine God singing? I mean, the, the angels sing, right? God doesn't sing, does he? Zephaniah says, God rejoices over you. He sings about you god's excited about you may we wake up we wake up some days dreading whatever might come but god sees us rise up and is thrilled to see us live another day he's excited to be with us you can't even comprehend that kind of love can you maybe you never thought about god delighting over you having these kind of thoughts towards you zephaniah gives us a word that our hearts is glad are glad to hear This is God's thoughts towards you. This is God's banner over you. This is heaven pouring out for you. You may not have thought about this every day in 2021 and you may not do it in the next year. None of us fix our minds on these things like we should. We don't pray and we don't study. We don't delight in these truths like we should. But I point out this message. The purpose of this text is that we might know that we might not think about God every day, but he thinks about you every day. Every second of every day. And his mind is big enough to have us all on the mind at the same time, plus he's running the universe, right? Psalm 139, David says, precious are your thoughts to me, O Lord, how vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. David says, I wake up, you think about me and you still are with me. In spite of what you probably think about me sometimes or know about me, you're still with me. We may not dwell on how good God is every day, but he thinks about how good it is that we are his. He thinks about how we might receive more of him. Our God is mighty to save. He rejoices over us. He pours out his love for us. He exalts over us. The Bible says the angels look down from the banners of heaven by command of God and marvel because God in heaven says to them, look, those are my children. Have you ever seen anything any greater? You know this, other people's children are all right, but they're not always a big deal to you as their parents make them out to be, right? But your kids, your family, they mean everything to you, don't they? God says, look at that, look at them. Those are my kids. And that is the heart of God. Our heavenly father displayed, he delights over us. He uses uses his might to save us and to keep us. We spent the last month adoring our Savior, but may we spend the next week of the last week of this month, the last week of this year, savoring our Savior, exalting, enjoying the gift He's given us, allowing it to sink in and allow our hearts to soak up so that we might be more compelled to seek His heart in the new year. I think if we would savor what this text reveals to us about God, if we begin seeking out more of the God who is in our midst, who is mighty to save, who rejoices over us, who quiets us with his love, who is always excited to see us, then we would be hard-pressed to find life and joy in anything or anyone else than him. We would find no more satisfaction and no more fulfillment in the world because we know nothing rivals or compares to God. So what if we, what if we made a daily devotional habit of savoring our Savior? I don't know if you've made New Year resolutions yet, but let's give you one to think about. What if we spent daily devotional time delighting in who he is? Just read that verse over and over again. Verse 17 is enough, I mean, to get you on the floor, right, worshiping God, what if you spent daily time delighting in who he is, determining to enjoy his favor and be who he's called you to be and make the most of all he's given you? Discipling others so that other people might know what you know and fan the fame of our God. There is nothing greater, there is no one sweeter, there is nothing more satisfying. There is a mighty God in our midst and his inclination is to save not destroy. He rejoices over you. He quiets us with his love. He sings in your presence. How awesome is our God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this humbling reminder of who we are to you. Lord, we don't deserve it and we'll never live up to it. Yet your heart is set. Your mind is made up. You have determined in your heart to love your children. And God, how unworthy are we to have that status with you? But God, our response to you should be one of exaltation, adoration. We should not cease to worship you because you deserve more than we could ever give. So God, in response to you this morning, may our hearts be filled with humility and our hearts be filled with encouragement today, knowing that you are a God who is mighty to save. And as you rejoice over us, as you exalt over us, as you quiet us with your love, Lord, may we respond with a determination that we want to make the most of the life that you've given us. And we don't want to waste a second on something that's not as satisfying or fulfilling as you are. Because you are everything. We came from you, we're going back to you and it's all about you. So why would we waste our lives on anything else? Because you are the Lord, the mighty God who saves. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.